0: Yeah. <laughs> a guy you roast a guy carrying it back of human ears. That line is so crazy. <laughs> I, 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 Shit
1: happens in New York City, man.
0: I love that that's such like a noodle incident too. They never talk about it again. <laughs> or the garotting. The the guy with the three guys on the wire. Never from the party. Yeah,
1: that's hilarious. It's hilarious how murders can happen. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl.
0: And my name is Arthi, and today we're going to be talking about the apartment. Whoa! Hey! So, before we dive into, like, outlining what the different plot lines are, can I just say, I'd forgotten how funny this episode is. I was pretty much laughing all the way through from, like, the cold open until, like, the last, last, like, minute.
1: I don't agree with you as much on this one, actually. Really? Yeah, this one always felt a little sloppy to me.
0: Really? I don't know. Maybe it's just... Obviously, I disagree, because, like... Yeah, you just said so. Yeah, and also, like... I also think structurally it actually works really nicely.
1: Yeah, it's less structural this time. It's more like... I thought that some of the jokes were a little less finely crafted. I thought structurally it was good. but, But specific lines... I think a lot of the stuff that happens in Jake and Gina's arc is not quite as funny as I would expect of that pairing.
0: I can see where you're coming from. I guess, like, my disagreement just stems from, like, I th- I'm okay with them toning down Gina a little bit when mm, we yeah. focus on her for a long, extended period of plotline. That's true. So, I, because I think if she were as, like, sort of, ooh, like like... Crazy? The, well, just, I think if she were as eclectic in every moment that she was on screen, it would be really grating. It starts to it starts to veer towards manic pixie, I think. If if she's like that,
1: she's not manic pixie though.
0: Well, just straight up manic then.
1: Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Anyway, either I I was cracking up so hard during the cold open and and definitely through a lot of the like secondary plot lines. Maybe yeah, you're right. Maybe not so much through the Jake Gina stuff. But the other plot lines, I think, are funny enough to make up for it.
1: The cold open is fantastic.
0: Cold open is killer! God. So before we dive into talking about the cold open, let's talk a little bit about the different plot lines.
1: Sure. So what's happening in the 99th Precinct this week is A, they're there on the weekend. B, they're there on the weekend because it's time for their annual performance reviews. This is the first time that Holt is doing these reviews for them, so it's kind of a big deal. Jake finishes his quickly so we can go try to deal with the fact that he does not have enough money to buy his apartment, and they're going co-op. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very New York problem.
0: Yeah, actually.
1: While they're doing, he and Gina go off and try to fix that situation, they end up looking at apartments, they get in a fight of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Back at the precinct, Amy gets blindsided during her performance review by being asked to say her greatest flaw.
0: And she does the classic thing, which I think a lot of, I know a lot of, like, people I know do this, which is the care too much, work too hard thing.
1: Guys, this might have been a good idea when the first person thought of this in 1903. (laughs) But it's not anymore.
0: It's also just such a transparent thing even i think even then
1: we don't know maybe they were dumb then
0: humble i don't know man maybe but either way the humble brag is clearly not working for amy so she tries the exact opposite which is the here are all of the things i cannot do well in my life and all the problems i have personally which is also not the right thing to do in a performance evaluation guys don't talk about your personal failings in your professional capacity
1: Right. I hadn't figured out why that was the wrong thing she was doing before.
0: Yeah, she's prone to jealousy, too competitive. She smokes sometimes. Those are all personal failings, not professional ones. It's a classic problem. It's not, it's totally... And there's not something you can work on. It's just really. totally normal, and you just have to know what the context is. And Amy, when it comes to Holt, has zero ability to correctly estimate the context. We've seen that over and over.
1: So while this whole drama is playing out, Rose is preoccupied by the fact that the weekend crew is there, and she hates the person at her desk during the weekend because he always shaves her desk and blows the hairs into her keyboard.
0: Which is why she had to type out a report about a Goosem murder.
1: Yeah, her archive totally fucked. Mm-hmm. And Boyle teams up with her to get revenge. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that guy has the saddest life imaginable. <laughs> yes. And all becomes tears.
0: <laughs> yes. It's so, it's like so sad it's funny. Like, it's it's terrible. And unsurprisingly, Boyle gets along very well with his weekend desk partner, Detective Kearns. Yeah. Yeah. They He, he left does, f-
1: like, bribe him with kitchenware.
0: To be fair, kitchenware is expensive.
1: Yeah, it looked like some Williamson Shno- Sonoma shit to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would want a big wooden stirring spoon. Some of those can be expensive. I wouldn't
1: have anywhere to put it.
0: I'd find a place for it. If I got one, I would find a place for it. So, okay, so those are the big plot lines. I definitely want to start with the performance evaluation one, because I think we can really... Like, it's it's really funny, but there's not a whole lot for us to say there. Sure. But before that, let's talk about that excellent cold open, because I really liked it.
1: It does so many things that the show keeps doing in slightly new ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I really love about the cold opening is how quickly the precinct sends blood.
0: <laughs> They're <laughs> all such sharks, But the bestest part is that, like, in keeping with what you're saying, the minute he says dad, everything around him stops.
1: Yeah, like, there's some background noise, but it's like, everyone's turning and waiting. Who's gonna gonna strike first? Yes. They're like a wolf pack. (laughs)
0: It's incredible. I was watching it this time with most of my attention on the background characters. Every extra stops and looks right at Andy Samberg. Was tall
1: bald Asian detective there?
0: I did not see him.
1: Damn it! He missed it. If she'd been there, maybe she would have gotten the line.
0: But it also... It's just so great because, like... First of all, the way Jake's, like, sitting with that criminal being like, so what you're saying is some stranger. And the guy's like, well, if you put it like that, of course it sounds crazy. (laughs) And the guy's like, I've been lying about my alibi, but you definitely said dad. I
1: love how consistently criminals stop caring about their own freedom in order to comment on the foibles of Jake Peralta.
0: Can we talk about how Amy's like, but you calling Holt Daddy and he's like, Wait,
1: no Daddy's not on the table. (laughs) It's a negotiation. He's like, What can I save? Clearly I can't save dad But I will not accept daddy.
0: No. Her tone there is so intense too. Like
1: She's like, I can flip the dialogue about people being weird about Holt mm-hmm. and make it about Jake instead.
0: Mm-hmm. But that ending, that smash cut to the opening where he says, he says, I'd really, I'd like that. And then it just smash cuts to the theme song. That is particularly really great. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if everyone like lost it, like after he said that line and that's why they just didn't keep going. Even if not, that's just such a great place to cut it and like go straight in. I love this cold opening so much. And unlike most of the time when we talk about like group scenes like this, this one was clearly hundred percent scripted all the way through. Like I don't I don't think there was any room for improv here.
1: Yeah, I don't think that Andy Thember would come up with Boyle has psychosexual issues off the cuff. No.
0: God, that's so good. I once called Vivian mom. <laughs> She's my fiance. Boyle has psychosexual issues. And everyone's like, we know about that. Let's Old talk about news. you.
1: <laughs> everyone's bored of that.
0: Oh, it's so great. Oh, it's so great. So, performance evaluations. Can we talk about how Terry's 100% on point at the end? Where, like, I mean, I know we're starting kind of at the end of that plot line, but whatever. It's kind of fun to backtrack. Um
1: Yeah, where Terry ends up is just chewing Holt out for playing mind games with the detectives when they're, you know, opening up and talking about things they did well and poorly. Like it's kind of a jerk move.
0: Yeah. And and we've seen Holt be manipulative with purpose before. But it's unclear what his purpose in being manipulative here is. If there really That's is a one really
1: roundabout way to like teach Amy a lesson.
0: And only Amy. Because like Hitchcock and Scully know that they're underperforming and clearly don't care. And Jake is not gonna listen anyway. Like I I will say I wish we'd gotten to see Boyle and Roses.
1: Yeah. Evaluations. I think that Boyle's would be really interesting. I think that Roses would be pretty no nonsense.
0: Yeah. Roses would probably be pretty similar to the talk they had regarding um, the patrol officer. Yeah. Yeah. And Boyle's... I don't know what Boyle's would have looked like. I would have really liked to see that. Yeah. I think that would have been really interesting. Especially because Boyle is admitted in moments of (laughs) drugged...
1: Druggedness.
0: That he's not sure if Holt finds him interesting. And kind of... And I think Boyle knows that Holt respects him, but like...
1: To an extent. Yeah. I think it's possible that the writers didn't know what Holt would say about Boyle. Because they have ourselves. not established that relationship. Mm. I want to talk about Scully and Hitchcock. Like I always want to talk about Scully and Hitchcock. They're <laughs> so married, which is which is weird. But yeah, they go to their performance review together. Scully's wearing a sweatsuit. He's sweating like a, a lot track though. Like a tracksuit. I mean, he is he is sweating his tracksuit. So I guess it's functioning as intended. <laughs> but the fact that he owns a red tracksuit is like. It's a thing. I mean, it's amazing how much he's, like, glistening, and his hair's kind of down, and it's like... He's amazing. He's
0: So I have an HDTV, right? And I was watching it. Oh my God. He's like soaked all the way to like his stomach. He's like just wet everywhere. The entire time that he's on camera, he's just like. (gasps) He tries
1: to wave or salute or something. It turns into a like bow from the hip bow. (laughs) It turns into Amy's thing. He's he's bowing out of the office because they only got uh, 14 arrests. (laughs)
0: Which is eight more than last year.
1: Six is not enough rests.
0: Six is it's not
1: enough rest for one person, let alone two.
0: It depends. If their close rate percentage was above 70%, probably no one noticed. Why? 70% is the national, or what, several years ago, 70 or 78% was the national average. But you know
1: it's not. You that know their, their close rate's really low.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They're stupid. <laughs>
0: They, I don't know how much they're being assigned, especially with Jake and Amy this past year taking most of the cases because of the bet.
1: Yeah, and they don't notice when things are up for assignment.
0: Mm-hmm. They, they don't even notice when someone comes in wearing a cape.
1: It's an impressive improvement, but...
0: You realize one of those solves is the one from the slump?
1: <laughs> Wasn't that multiple solves or something?
0: No, it was one no, guy. No,
1: he brought in, he, and all of his accomplices. Oh my god. Four of those solves were from the slump. Oh, no. Hitchcock might not have arrested anyone else. (laughs) He's
0: arrested zero people since.
1: Well, no, it was 14. So he probably, on average, arrested three more people (laughs) all year, which is the same as last year.
0: Oh, no. Ah. That's amazing.
1: So Scully is the entire improvement.
0: Hey.
1: Yep. Hey. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be that. Uh, he shouldn't be that down.
0: <laughs> he shouldn't be sweating that much. Clearly, he had a hundred percent improvement.
1: Yeah, or something.
0: Yeah, he doubled his solve rate. His personal solve rate on average. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I I would like to say that the way Terry calls out Holt is a textbook example of how to call out your boss.
1: Yeah, he does it in a situation where no one else will notice. He tells them ahead of time. He like uses only facts, and he doesn't make it about himself.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good, and in doing so, proves himself the right person for his job. Yeah, like Holt. Holt's comments to Terry are correct. They don't make up for his crazy mind games of earlier, but um, Terry's on point, and Holt's reaction is correct as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if if the it makes me wonder if Holt's whole mind game was just to get a reaction out of Terry.
1: Yeah, but what the fuck would be the point of that?
0: Zero point. We already know Terry's that person. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I I think Holt is actually probably the weakest in this episode. He has no. Yeah, we have no I motivation. think so. Yeah.
1: He, he doesn't have any clear motivation. He mostly just sits there and lets people collapse in front of him. Although that's not enough. Arrest is <laughs> a really good delivery. Well, i'm not
0: saying andre Brower isn't perfect in this episode i'm oh, saying I really, how they wrote whole another
1: business. line i really like from skilly and hitchcock it would have been 20 but we only got 14
0: <laughs> he's so proud of it too
1: <laughs> and it's and he like immediately defends himself like not on the basis that he did okay but on the basis that he has no right to be criticized because <laughs> of self-evaluation
0: but yeah, I feel like he was on point. Well, it's a self-evaluation.
1: But it's not, though. I
0: know. I know. But from a literal literalist standpoint, he's right.
1: That's the least important <laughs> standpoint, though.
0: I agree. I agree. So, I want to talk about how Amy just completely, like, collapses in on herself. Because she implodes hard. She's
1: always going to, like... She she went on an emotional roller coaster this episode more than usual I think
0: yeah but it was like corkscrew down to like the embankment curve like it was a problem for
1: a little while she was proud of having lip read it's creepy as fucking mega
0: Amy. fucking creepy like she's hitting Charles Boyle levels of creepy right now like you
1: do not tell your bosses that you're reading their lips through their fucking office window
0: oh and wait to be called in before you go in oh god Amy amateur mistakes everywhere. Yeah. I can't blame her. This is probably her one of her first evaluations ever. Like McGinley was doing them. Come on.
1: I mean, he was probably like, which one are you rubber stamp?
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. But
1: also like this is with Holt. Yeah. Like all she wants is to be evaluated by him.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: And like she wanted to be evaluated on her record. Which is probably a huge improvement over last year. Huge improvement.
0: She had more incentive to do better this year. Yes. Yeah. What's really heartbreaking is that she kind of undercuts what Terry was saying about her In like bursting in early and admitting to being her mega creepy self What do you mean? Terry was being really complimentary about And Amy, he's like, I want to get us back on track Santiago's the next person
1: She's had a great year
0: Yeah But
1: see, that's what I'm saying though She did have a great year Oh, she did And like, if that hadn't been what the conversation had been about She would have done fine Like, her actual work
0: Oh, but but she also knew what the ten questions were going in. That's not fair.
1: No, she knew that there were going to be ten questions.
0: That's true. She may have known what they were since she was creepy lip reading. Maybe. Oh god, that's a tough skill. Like, I'm not going to play. Like, that's a great skill to have, and that's especially a good... for a cop. Yeah, and <laughs> stakeouts. Can you imagine? But like, that's such an intense skill to be using. Like for something like this, <laughs> I can read lips a little bit too. But Christ, honey, like. I, I will say her, like, complete decimation after this, after her multiple, like, attempts to, like, evaluate herself, like, completely, like, hit home too hard. Because, mm-hmm. like, so this is my second job in my third year working after college, and I've only had one performance evaluation in that time, and the only performance evaluation I ever had, I ended up walking out of that office, like, ready to cry. It's intense. And I mean, that's not normal. In fact, mine was super abnormal, which should have been my first clue about that job. But uh, suffice to say, like I definitely had major sympathy feels for Amy and just like, a, oh no, oh no, what's happening?
1: I've never had a performance evaluation, partially because I've technically been a temp until this year. So they've like, what, ke- keep temping? <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah.
0: But the highlight of this plotline is actually Amy and Jake's scene together,
1: yeah, it is. I almost like this arc of their relationship better than when he's pining for her because they're just so so there for each other without expecting anything
0: and And the thing is though, like even when he is pining for her, like through fancy breadgum, like he still they still do this, they weave in and out of this mm-hmm. and it was. I think – was it on the podcast we talked about this or was it in um, – was it me in 40 million years where I was telling y- you can have multiple relationships with a person at the same time, you know? like I don't think
1: we've talked about this.
0: Like even when there was this guy that I was really into and like I also like would talk to him about like professional advice and stuff like that. And I wasn't always making like cow eyes at him, you know? I – we were able to have conversations and relate to one another Without, without me constantly being like, and I like, like, it's not like that. And so I kind of like that because the strength of their friendship is here now and their partnership is here now, I like that we see their relationship going like, okay, they trust each other professionally. They trust each other personally. He likes her. He trusts her professionally. He trusts her personally. He likes her. Like we see them sort of going back and forth and in and out of these sort of modes and And none of them is mutually exclusive, but no single one of them is collectively exhaustive either.
1: Yeah. What I like about this mode is she, A, trusts him a lot, B, is super desperate to go to him for advice about dealing with Holt. Which is, like, her primary objective in life right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And not something he's good at.
0: (laughs) But I think also, like... Out of everyone in the precinct, Holt has given Jake the most concentrated attention. She straight up calls yeah, it out in Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, but it's because he's a he's a stupid idiot. Ne'er do well. Yes. What? No.
0: <laughs> Jake
1: he's air do well at points.
0: Jake needs the most mentorship at any given time.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: Amy needs guidance, maybe not mentorship.
1: She could use the mentorship.
0: I'm not saying she couldn't use it, but her immediate need is guidance. Yeah. Like, stop being so creepy. What What Terry did for Boyle in the episode with the jury, Old, old school.
1: school,
0: is what I think Amy needs more than, like, full-on mentorship.
1: She needs, like, somebody a to, leash.
0: Somebody to pull her back when she's about to cross over and jump into the void a little bit. But, yeah, I, I I don't necessarily agree with you in that I like them pining more, but I do like seeing additional dimensions to their relationship, and this is, especially given that, and maybe we should have talked about this in Broken Feather, but, like, I think because Amy's shut the door on their romantic potential, and Jake is only really starting to open that door, um, and he'll open it fully next episode, I, I think it's nice to see get a better sense of how Amy holds Jake in her regard. Because we yeah. don't get a lot of attention or focus on that overall.
1: She's starting to respect his intuition. Exactly.
0: Not to mention, she's even though she's prone to jealousy, she kind of subsumes that in order to get advice from someone who, frankly, has worked more with Holt than she has had the opportunity to. And I think that's interesting. Like, It's a lot of personal growth. And and even when he throws the list back at her, and he's like, "You need to start hiding your your you know your
1: secret list better."
0: Yeah, her her first her first expression is like shock, and then a little bit of anger, and then it's like, "Let me think about this for a second. So it's actually kind of nice to see her like encompassing some personal growth. So I mean, great. I knew what
1: was happening while he was doing it, but like,
0: it was so great her expression. Just like total shock, like how did you know?
1: My shame cigarettes? How did you know about my shame cigarettes?
0: I love that he calls them that.
1: Because <laughs> that also requires knowing her very well. Yeah. Although she might have written down shame cigarettes. I doubt it though.
0: That's not her type of thing. Too alliterative. That's definitely a Jake
1: thing. Shame and cigarette don't alliterate. Shh and s so are different sounds. What? That's how you can tell.
0: What? You mean be- no, I'm just kidding. You're right.
1: <laughs> Sorry, today I looked up a list of literary devices.
0: It's fine. So
1: that I could use my editorial powers for evil.
0: They're like on i I'll a, tell you later. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, point being, we, we seldom see Amy's regard for Jake spelled out rather explicitly like this. And I think we at least needed one and they gave it to us here. And yeah. it was really nice to see. I just like, knowing that she respects him and knowing that she trusts him enough to come to him with stuff like this. This is about her, like, weakness. That's, like, huge, like...
1: She still couches it as, What do you think Holt thinks my biggest flaw is? Yeah. Which shows her problem right there. But it's still kind of opening <laughs> opening the door to what Jake does is, What matters what I think your biggest flaw is? Right. <laughs> think about my opinions, Amy. Yeah. Think about them.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no. I, I, like I said, I don't necessarily agree that it's better, but I like seeing this added dimension. Because sure. a complex relationship is complex. What? Topological. Let's talk about Boyle and Rosa Because I think that's the funniest plotline in this whole episode
1: It is very funny It has the most um, uncontrollable moments of laughter
0: Oh my god <laughs> Colin an ambulance, I'm gonna and do mostly stuff Mostly
1: because, like, Rosa Diaz is So, Andy Samberg called uh, the actors who play Hitchcock and Scully joke assassins Whereas Rosa Diaz is a joke axe murderer The <laughs> L- latter part is mine original idea do not steal but uh oh my god
0: i love that what kind of woman doesn't have an axe (laughs) i
1: said that about a different fictional character today
0: (laughs) she's a joke axe (laughs) no
1: what kind of woman doesn't have an axe
0: oh god that's a great line yeah but i like that it like comes back and it's like she's a joke axe murderer it's extraordinary i love so much about those things oh my god but uh i think also like what really like nails it is her constant like perfect on point delivery from everything from call call an ambulance I'm gonna do stuff to I'm gonna punch him so hard he's gonna bite his own heart like and Boyle being like maybe that's why he's not.
1: maybe that's why he won't tell you about it She's like oh yeah I think you're right."
0: right she plays that so straight and it's Hilarious. I mean, it's not
1: Rosa playing it straight, it's Stephanie Beatrice playing it straight, because Rosa is just like, I've accepted your criticism.
0: Right? And then they're like, I can't believe I'm considering a non-violent option.
1: I think that Rosa might have <laughs> a certain amount of difficulty understanding what other people think. No.
0: I think you're right. I think she does have trouble. And that's, I think, partially why, like, she and Boyle's friendship work so nicely. Because Boyle-,
1: Boyle will help her, her out. Yeah. And he can usually, when there's no stakes for him, he can usually figure out what people are about.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. God, their friendship is so great.
1: It's so much better, right? Oh, my God. It's specifically better. Yeah. But they're really effortless around each other. When they're being friends. Yeah. Like.
0: No pressure, no awkward, just, like, like, he has no qualms telling her what he actually thinks, which is, like, such as. He's
1: supportive, but not a pushover.
0: Exactly. And then, like, he gets some of the best weird lines. Like, uh, the trope is, like, fridge, like, fridge horror, fridge, fridge brilliance. Humor. Yeah. So, fridge humor, right? And mine, the one that I always end up thinking about when I, in, in my fridge mode is, why does he know where to find a bag of stranger hair? He says explicitly, and I know exactly where to get a bag of hair. Why? Why do you know that? How do you know that? What could have possibly necessitated you knowing that?
1: Maybe he makes his own pillows. Ew! Pillows made of hair are a thing.
0: Ew! They are,
1: though. They're not so much anymore that we have so many birds, but. (laughs) Yeah. What, like, hair is grosser than feathers? It's the same fucking thing. Actually, hair pillows are much less comfortable, which is why we don't use them. Also, hair mattresses are from the past.
0: Anyway. Um, their, their relationship is so nice. I just loved watching them interact and, like...
1: And they go further towards each other's personalities without, like... Boyle does this crazy, cruel thing, which, like, is still kind of funny and he's creative about it. Mm-hmm. And this is, like... This is, like, how they got along in The Vulture, Because I think Rosa was kind of into how fucking dark and weird his revenge plans were. Because Boyle has darkness in his soul. He has a little kernel of madness at his center. That's why he's Hannibal. I was (laughs) going to say, are we bringing this? Going to keep pulling this out. I mean, he does his fucking weird foodie thing where he's going to take his fiancée to the culinary tour of a pig's digestive tract. Which I'm so glad I'm a vegetarian. I'm so glad I never have to fucking deal with that. No frigging gelato made out of pig butt. It's that actual thing. No, that's a sorbet. And you cannot make a sorbet out of a meat.
0: You're right. But then what is the what?
1: Do they make a gelato out of the pig's bunghole? He says that.
0: I'm frowning really big right now. You
1: should be. Meat is weird.
0: I, by the way, I love the was it Gelato Fortuny one and Hitchcock and Scully just raised their
1: hands
0: <laughs> like you're right. They're Handy Sandberg is right. the <coughs> The joke assassin thing hundred percent on point because they don't even say anything. They just go, <laughs> 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 "Oh man!" Uh, but but I think I think what's great though is that when they're in friend mode. There's like I feel like there's no romantic subtext, and it works so great, and
1: she gives some opportunities, like Rosa casually touches Boyle after he says the thing about maybe her wanting to punch the guy so hard that he bites his own heart, yeah, yeah, is she the does reason the shoulder that he wants yeah. and she like she like touches him in the chest and uh, he does nothing, yeah,
0: doesn't even react, honestly,
1: yeah, yeah. And she's like laughing at his jokes and being really like friendly yeah. and it's, and there's no threat.
0: Exactly. I think that was what it was, was like they're at the locker and he's like doing like facial hair jokes and whatever and she's laughing and it's super cute. And I looked at it and I was like, I, like not only do I not ship this, but I think even if I saw this without any context, I don't think I would ship it still.
1: Uh, it's like this is enough. Yeah. This is as much as we need.
0: Yeah. Just they're so different, but they, they get along really well.
1: And this all leads up to his apology, mm-hmm. which is so necessary. Because it's not just him apologizing her to her, it's them apologizing to us. Because his plotline was weird and Fucked up and we didn't want it.
0: Let's let's specify this is the the creative team apologizing to the audience. Yeah. Not specifically people working on the show was just apologizing to you and me specifically.
1: They knew we were gonna do a podcast.
0: Hundred percent. It is the creative team apologizing to us, the audience, because we needed this. Like it's it's not everything, but it's the best place to erase a lot of like negative energy that they'd sent our way.
1: And it feels like a promise. It feels like a promise that this is over. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll restart this. They, like, tease us with that all the time. If they do, I will quit. Because this is a covenant that they will not sail this ship.
0: There were a couple people talking about how, and we'll bring it up in Tactical Village, about Boyle not giving Rosa the invite and sort of the the motivation behind that. But for the most part, I agree with you.
1: That makes me sick. We'll talk about this in Tactical Village, but that makes me sick.
0: Still, I I love watching Boyle and Rosa interact in a really friendly, non-aggressive way, I guess. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's really cool when he's in love with someone else.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why
1: he and Gina are so essential.
0: Let's segue into Gina and Jake's plotline. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, before we dive in, Jake says you've been engaged eight times but But never never married. married. And diaphenia, I think, in... In her ring toss fic, that we like her little short drabble about the ring toss, where like Jake and Amy fake out criminals by fake proposing, and it Mm -hmm. distracts them enough to arrest them. Amy throws the real ring, and Gina's like, "Never take a first offer. I have done that to three guys before." And I was like, "And this was like four months before this episode happened, and I was rereading that recently, and I'm like, damn, she nailed it."
1: Maybe she's the witch, and still escape isn't. This is just to get her mad. I don't know who Stillscape is. I just know that she's a witch.
0: Oh, you've been reading Diaz tags?
1: <laughs> I, I follow her. Oh, yeah. 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 Apparently Stillscape is a witch. That's all I've learned.
0: Uh, she apparently found Amber's Happy Place, which is a line that's for chicken tenders only.
1: I don't know who Amber is.
0: Amber is, I love I you and lo- I like you.
1: Oh, I know she likes chicken tenders.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's all. We- it's I lo- uh, The tag was, I love you and I like you.
1: I feel weird now. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: Anyway, I don't know Amber either. Hey, Amber, if you listen, hey, what's up? Who are you? <laughs> Drop us an ask.
1: Who are you? <laughs> I could keep doing this all night.
0: Yeah, let's not. So uh, <laughs> so Jake and Gina's, first of all, so much of, like, all of their interactions up until this point makes so much more sense if you re- when you realize that they've known each other since they were kids. This is
1: a retcon that I really am behind. Yeah, because it they works. They are so easy together. Yeah. And it flows directly out of who they are. Andy Action. and Chelsea were friends when they were kids.
0: By the way, I love... There was a recent tweet where someone was like, Childhood crushes. Yeah. And she's like, some redheaded kid. Lil Andy Sandberg. Not just little. Lil Andy Sandberg And someone else. Yeah. Those people don't matter. I was like, oh, that's cute. That's cute as hell. I could yep. 100% be on board with this. I mean, I guess I am. It was real. <laughs> but it's great. I just love how much they decided to inform these characters based on the actors themselves. Yeah. They've done this with Terry. I like that they're rolling in um, Andy Samberg and Chelsea Pretty's personal history a little bit into this. You know, that's that's awesome. And and I'm 100% on board with this retcon cuz mm-hmm. it, it even if they didn't know it going in, that relationship was already informing the on-screen relationship. Whether or not the writers really wanted it to.
1: Yeah, there's so much affection there that couldn't be sexual. At all. Ever. Mm-mm. No way. Mm-mm. Like, there's just this familial affection that you can't really fake as much. And it's weird to have that kind of affection and not have people start shipping. But I've never seen anyone ship Jake Gina really, romantically.
0: There's one, maybe two, fix. You're
1: wrong.
0: I mean, they're. One of my. F- all-time favorite authors ever Dalsum really ships uh, boiled Rosa and I get I get why every like I I, I feel for her because I've been that person in other fandoms so I try not to like call her out like this too much
1: <laughs> but here we are here we are some people are wrong
0: there's a couple people who do
1: there are a couple of people who ship
0: jake with other people who aren't amy
1: i mean there's and there are a couple of people who ship Boyle and Red, so it's not just her
0: yeah there are i mean y'all,
1: you're free to you're free to like ship whatever you want
0: Phantom life is a tough one if you want to retcon that shit all the way out do it
1: but like jake and gina have this core of something so much stronger that's so obvious
0: yeah and just like like the i know that they hadn't picked it by then but like do you carry a hairdryer in your purse? I'm not a I'm not a savage. <laughs> like, that gift set is out there. And I remember seeing that and just laughing at it. Because, like, the comment tag is, so much of the relationship makes more sense when you realize they grew up together. Yeah. Yeah. It's great.
1: The way they bicker also makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. Like, they are basically siblings. They're not actually related, but they might as well be siblings.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember when this episode first happened, because Gina called... Jake's grandmother, Nana, as well. People are like, are they cousins?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was my belief for a long time.
0: Yeah. I don't think they are. um, Yeah,
1: and and I don't think they are anymore either, but...
0: But I like... I I definitely can see why... I can see how that happened.
1: Mm -hmm. What I like about their situation is they have so much in common, but Gina hasn't Mm -hmm. accepted any of the crutches that Jake... Relies on so heavily. Yeah, all those. Things. Like we learn in this episode that her dad walked out on her mom too. Mm-hmm. She never talks about her daddy issues.
0: I. I she think does it,
1: have a huge thing for older men.
0: But I don't see those being inherently daddy issues.
1: Yeah, maybe not. Says Carl with the coy smile. I mean, I don't write fake.
0: Fair enough. Hey, audience. <laughs>
1: You be you audience.
0: Yes. I, I don't, I mean, that doesn't necessarily indicate daddy issues. Regardless, like, you're right, we never heard anything. We knew that Gina was at risk.
1: We <laughs> I mean, didn't know she, how. We knew she was an at-risk youth.
0: Yeah. But we never knew how.
1: Also, like, she's been living in that specific apartment since she was 20. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Gina has had a rough route to where she is now. But she never asks for any kind of sympathy and wouldn't accept any. And also she doesn't make a big deal of her own core competencies. She'd rather people admire her for her random bullshit than the fact that she's saved up enough to buy a co-op at age 33.
0: Yeah, she's at least 33. We she's, don't know if she's older. We have to
1: assume that she's the same age as yeah.
0: Jake. You're right, because I think about, like, no, I have no hidden talents. Yeah. Like, Jake says, when they're fighting, and Jake's, like, ranting at Amy, he's like, I got her this job, which an ice cream cone could do, by the way.
1: <laughs> That's harsh and true.
0: Yeah. It's, it's harsh because job, it's true. Her
1: job is mostly throwing away important paperwork.
0: It seems to be.
1: Can't be that important.
0: And putting thumbtacks in biohazard bags. And yeah. then throwing them in the incinerators. Jake got her this job, and the, the fight that they have is so personal.
1: Yeah, he doesn't want her to have gotten out ahead of him. I think it's been really important to him that she has seemed not to be in a better place than him. Yeah. Because, like, civilian administrator is not as impressive as police detective. Mm Mm-hmm. And she lives in a really shitty apartment, and that lets him not think about the fact that he's in crippling debt, and the main thing he can say is that he has six massage chairs that he can't afford. He has an entire tub full of mail.
0: To be fair, I I would have a mail tub if I could.
1: Answer your mail. Most How does he even get that mail? It's the fucking modern era. He isn't doing correspondence. That's gotta be 15 years of mail. <laughs> yeah. That's the, all the mail has ever shown up in that apartment. That is fucking... So, like, you can talk about your mail tub, but that pisses me off, because I have had roommates who never check the mail, and it's the worst.
0: I check my mail... And then I open it, and then I'm like, "And eh, I should get to this later. And then I don't.
1: Okay, fair. I do have a bunch of mail on that chair right there. But, like...
0: <laughs> My tub, by the way, is one of those, like, office organizer boxes that, like, you get a Target, you Okay, know?
1: I know the kind of box.
0: Like, they're kind of patterned with, like, a thing on the end with you label. And, like, it's like a shoebox, but, like, fancy. It's like a fancy okay. shoebox. It's like a shoebox full of mail. <laughs> okay. I periodically go through it, like, once a year. At least it's better off than Jake,
1: clearly. Yes.
0: Because <laughs> his fucking clawfoot tub.
1: He's getting evicted because he didn't check any of his 15 fucking voicemails. It showed up on the front of his phone. You got 15 voicemails from the <laughs> Tenants Association. Oh Do you not have them in your phone?
0: Anyway. No, that fight that they have is super personal. I think you're right that it's like about him feeling better than...
1: It's about him suddenly feeling inferior to her, which he, he which collapses, calls. It collapses his worldview.
0: Yeah. I mean, he straight up says, you're not better than me. And she's like, grow up, Jake. Like, that is a... That is, like... That's the kind of fight that I would have with my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's... That's a family fight. That's a fight This is eat.
1: him not realizing that he's in the younger sibling position.
0: And him despising... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he's the fuck-up younger sibling. Like... Yeah. Wh- that's hard to take. And, like... I, I think he never realized that all of Gina's weirdnesses were choices you know like when we saw her cutting her own hair in the precinct before finding uh, this before finding Savant yeah you know that's a personal choice that's
1: a choice that she's making to save money
0: yeah she walks to work like
1: she eats she steals Scully's lunch every day which
0: she's talked about too very camera.
1: economical she steals Hitchcock's lunch too
0: Yeah, because his Tupperware hurts her fingers.
1: Yeah, and he apologizes for that. (laughs) She's getting double lunches. He probably uses one of them for dinner.
0: I do. My per diem. I get two per diems per day.
1: Oh, I don't get any per diems per day. I don't know how they expect me to live if they're not paying me to per diem.
0: So one of the things I like that you mentioned earlier is about how Jake's irresponsibility is sort of front and center here. Like how so much of he's been enabled in it. Um, like, I, I, in our pre-show conversation, I said, you know, like, McGinley allowed him to sort of be the slacker detective and really sloppy.
1: And he was still better than everyone else.
0: Yeah, so it didn't matter. And then here, he's living in a rent-controlled place that he inherited from his grandmother.
1: It enables his big spending problem. That apartment that he's in costs, like, $3,000 a month, probably, normally.
0: Park Slope. At least one bedroom, huge kitchen, yeah, huge bath, huge huge, room.
1: Huge, huge, huge floor plan.
0: Yeah, it's a ma- that's a it's co-op. bigger room. than my
1: apartment. Yeah. And, like, that would cost $2,500, $3,000. He had that, he would not be able to afford three turntables and six fucking massage chairs. Yeah.
0: I mean, I do have a spending problem, but I managed to sort of keep it together because I'm making... Also, you
1: wouldn't have anywhere to fucking put six fucking massage chairs. I don't
0: have anywhere to put six massage chairs, so I'm forcibly economized. Yeah. But, I mean, my spending problem is I like to eat out a lot. It's a hipster problem. I'm not that hipster, but I love dining out, and, and that takes a huge toll on my budget. So, I mean, my rent is pretty sizable, and I make a lot more than the average New York City cop... <laughs> and it's still like a huge struggle so yeah his rent controlled life pretty fucking jealous because whatever his rent control is, it was his
1: grandmother's rent control whatever his—that grand- could have been like 250 bucks a month
0: but the thing is he tells gina that he can keep paying the same and afford her place yeah so it's like eight nine hundred dollars tops for that entire fucking apartment yeah. Like, when I was looking... When I was apartment hunting, and so we can segue into our next point. But when I was apartment hunting in Manhattan, right? I didn't go out into Brooklyn because I didn't want to live in Brooklyn at the time. And I would maybe think about moving to Brooklyn now, but at the time I wasn't. But I was looking at an apartment almost identical to Gina's on the Upper West Side. And it was 1800 on the Upper West. And the Upper t- West
1: is much more expensive than Park Slope, but still.
0: Yeah, like...
1: It doesn't... Like, tiny places cost... So much in Manhattan.
0: Yeah. And especially because, like, the the thing is, there's a trick we're being played with the camera angles, right? Like, the, the camera is our fourth wall, so we have no sense of, like, dimension. Mm-hmm. But, like, literally where her couch ends is where the wall is. Yeah. Like, that is not a very large apartment by any means. And it's lofted to give it that extra bit of space. Like, I know we see that apartment with the Murphy bed when they're, like, <laughs> touring. And honestly, I'm not going to lie, I've seen an apartment like that. And it was as awful as it sounds.
1: Wait, with the Murphy bed can't get out of the wall?
0: No, no. Where it was like super narrow and just like there was room for like a bed and not a whole lot else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's shitty. And honestly, if Jake is only paying eight or $900 a month, that's, that's... what he can expect. It's exactly what he can expect. And I mean, he's not living in Manhattan, but Park Slope is pretty fucking nice. Yeah. And it's been nice for a long time. If nothing else, because there's a bunch of really good schools right there and that drives up the property values all over. Yeah. It kills. It's just
1: really... Amazing. Children, right?
0: Well, people care about that there. No, I, 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 I know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. My like apartment hunting rant aside... I loved watching them apartment hunting because it was so familiar. I, like, I know you didn't have to do it for very long.
1: Yeah, I got pretty lucky. Yeah. But, I mean, once we found the place we wanted to get it, did take nine months or something to actually finish the deal, but...
0: That part's shitty. But, like, for me, I... But you didn't have to do what I did, which was, like, a month of apartment hunting. I had a broker, but I ended up not using her. But I still had to pay a fucking broker fee for my apartment, which was the worst. And I mean, I love my apartment. I've lived there for two years now, and I'll probably be there for at least another two. But like, it's one of those things where it's like they were <laughs> they were looking at all the apartments, and I remember I looked at one that was tiny, like that one with the unopenable Murphy bed, hmm. uh, the cat one. I I love that when we were watching it together, you were like, why couldn't they live here? <laughs>
1: It's a nice apartment.
0: And it's, like, a pre-war building, and it was, like... I mean,
1: people say pre-war, like, it's a good thing. It is. Why?
0: So, even when the wiring is kind of a mess, the reason that the pre-war buildings are better is they're usually little higher ceilings, and the walls are a little bit thicker than in new builds. Uh. They're also just, like... Better insulated sometimes than new builds. Oh, that makes sense. I lived in a new build when I was in New Jersey, and I remember one night it was 17 degrees outside, and I couldn't get my room above 27. So. That's bad. It can be bad. And I know my neighbors who lived on the other side of the hall, where they got more direct sunlight, like, all year round, their apartment was always hot. Like, no amount of AC or fans would fix that. Not to mention, uh, like, my apartment, there's, like, more studs. Whereas new builds are usually metal studs, which means you can't mount anything.
1: Huh.
0: Um because it's the cheapest materials and the fastest you can build it. That's why post war builds are not as good. Definitely builds after like 1980, not great. Condos are a different game though. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure you guys are super excited to hear all our real estate talk. The uh the cat one, I just don't understand why they didn't like I'm I'm maybe it's the cat pee, I don't know.
1: But they don't say a reason. They're just like, really, I couldn't tell. I mean, this is the part that actually makes, that actually stands out to my mind when I say that I don't think this is the funniest episode. Like that joke about, really, is it the case that this place is pet friendly? I couldn't tell because of all the cats. And the guy's like, I can't tell if you're being serious. Like, what's the joke? There's some cats in a place.
0: The real reason he probably couldn't afford that is he doesn't have the income. Like, you need to make, like, eight times the income or something stupid like that.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they toured that place when it looks really expensive.
0: Yeah. Although the most hilarious is that loft, like, that barren loft with the toilet in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the I'm pretty sure that pigeon, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure Gina's reaction to that pigeon is actually Chelsea Peretti's reaction to that pigeon. And I think it's enforced method acting. <laughs> Like, I don't think she was acting.
1: Surely they didn't put a real pigeon in there.
0: I mean, they had real pigeons in that episode, in Halloween.
1: It's true. They love using real pigeons. They're
0: not that expensive, and they're probably kind of everywhere, and they're if they're trained, they're clean. Fair. I think that's everything on our list. Like, all the things you really wanted to touch on. And
1: a lot of things off our list.
0: A lot of real estate talk.
1: Well, uh, considering that, this has been Back in the Field. I'm Carl.
0: My name's Arthi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.